CrossFit for self-defense. These topics and more with Tony Blauer on The Fight Focus. What's up, everybody? This is Buck Grant. And the internet essentially blew up last week. If you were in the self-defense, martial arts, CrossFit world, um, you may be familiar with the video. The video went out by one of the CrossFit self-defense instructors who, and the guy made some pretty lofty comments about CrossFit movements, um, not only as they pertain to self-defense, but essentially saying that CrossFit movements were superior to the movements of, say, a boxer. And to paraphrase, the instructor said that a person doing some of the CrossFit movements, like the wall ball, has thrown more power punches than a professional boxer. Pretty bold comment, to say the least. Well, Tony Blauer, the founder of the Spear System and the founder of the CrossFit Self-Defense System, came on the show to clear the air, or at least attempt to clear the air. And I would love your opinions on this. Um, he's going to talk pretty freely about it. We're going to get right into it. There were a lot of topics that came up, but this was the major topic that spawned into a lot of different areas. Check it out. Uh, let us know how you think and what you feel about it. Also, stick around for some bonus material at the very end. Um, Tony and I talked for 10 to 15 minutes after the show, and I think some really, really insightful things came out of that conversation. You can agree or disagree about it or not. I'd love to hear your comments, but please stick around for the last 15 minutes because I feel the last 15 minutes is the crux of this entire conversation. This episode is brought to you by Aperture Fight Focus. Go to ApertureFightFocus.com and check out our online video library where you can find all of our videos and DVDs such as The Bladed Grappler 2, which will be released pretty soon, um, Muay Thai Strategic, which is my video series, and the Shootbox and DVDs, and many more. All the talents such as Ryan Hoover, Amber Siklinski, Jared Wihongi, and our entire team. This is also brought to you by BuckGrant.com. Go to BuckGrant.com, my personal website, and check out all of the workshops, the DVD series that I have, my book, Over the Top Rope, Life Lessons from the Ring, and information about our Costa Rica retreat coming up. And that's going to be in December. It's a martial arts training retreat, a getaway, a good chance to train be in an amazing place, meet really cool people, and explore your edge. So check it out on buckrand.com, and hopefully we'll see you there. Without further ado, here is Tony Blauer on The Fight Focus. What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Fight Focus podcast. This is Buck Grant. I am here with Tony Blauer. This is an old friend of mine who is founder of the Spear System, um, one of the most well-renowned uh, people in the world for self-defense and personal protection and i'm very honored to have him on the show we met oh man how long ago was that that was back uh, in virginia yeah so so virginia beach was um t- uh, 10 11 years ago ah oh, that long wow. yeah man that, that that's a hot minute yeah, I remember you You had a, a big training facility there in Virginia Beach. I had just opened up one not too long um, before that. And we actually met in my gym. 
I remember you coming in, helping out with my fighters, teaching them some 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 really cool stuff, and then I got a chance to do your course. So it's so really glad to get a chance to talk to you and kind of share what you what you do and what you're about. Um, I looked on your page to get a kind of an idea, like to explain to people who you are. I liked these um, the description you put on your Instagram, like a study. I study human movement as it relates to violence and fear. I thought it was a really interesting way to say that. I'd like for you to be able to like, just elaborate on that and let people know what you do and why you do what you do. Um, well, actually what I want to do is I want to hijack that question and, and just really uh, talk about why most people are probably tuning in, particularly like your audience and the controversy. And I'd rather like get that, get the elephant out of the room is it what's that expression? The elephant in the room, you know. Yeah, like the, yeah the elephant in the room. Yeah, yeah. So, so the CrossFit so I, question. What's that? You talking about the CrossFit question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna turn my volume up here, dude. Perfect. Uh, the, you can hear me okay because my headphones aren't aren't working. Yeah, you sound great. You sound okay, great. Okay, good. Um, so, uh, what was the tagline of your your video? CrossFit for self defense. Something like yes, that. CrossFit yeah. for self-defense. So, cro so for all the people out there, first of all, the video everyone saw and that everyone is like hammering on uh, is a snippet of a full day course with no lunch break, and the uh, the coach that was talking said something that I know professionally he regrets, and so I'm going to. Uh, as the CEO of the company, and you know, I can't, I'm not there talking in people's ears, telling them what to say in a seminar, but I'm going to apologize to the martial art world for uh, how that came off. It was edited uh, independent of us. We don't control what's edited, what snippets are taken out of the course. I don't, I don't get to look at something and go, you know, there's no actors or scripts, right? So there's no do over. Uh, so I just want to, as, as, the founder of the company, the guy who designed the program, say that uh, my coach who said, I think everyone freaked really about the uh, the wall ball connection to pro boxers and how many punches they throw. Uh, yeah, that was a that, big one. That was the big one. And so let's, let's get that out in front. You know, I, as a professional, and I've been in this industry 40 years, I uh, can look at something and go, man, I wish you wouldn't have said that. Had I seen that video, I'd have said, hey, guys, don't post that or frame it because perception is everything and I can see why people are freaking out. The, the math, Buck, and, and you fought and you trained fighters and stuff, the math was accurate. The, the assumption was a little grandiose. You know, the mm -hmm. fact that in, in Karen, uh, a wall ball exercise in CrossFit, you do 150 wall balls in the exercise, the... Uh, the fact that some pro boxers and some pro fighters like won't even throw that many punches in an entire fight, <laughs> right? But that's got yeah. nothing to do with each other. Like it shouldn't have been said. And here's the thing, Adrian, one of my top guys, Adrian's a fucking boxer. He's he's was a Golden Glove boxer. He's uh, 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 been sparring partners in pro camps. He's a lifelong martial artist. He's in the military. Uh, and I know that I tried to get him to jump on, on but he, he was busy um, uh, just to explain what was going through. He said, sometimes when you're, when you're teaching, you say things 
where and like it's out of context so so for everybody out there i'm apologizing for how that was represented what i do ask you and i'm begging you as a martial artist is that you listen to the explanation as to why we use the metaphor which was regurgitated incorrectly uh in the heat of the moment um the biggest fear and you know this because you've taught uh technical traditional martial arts boxing kickboxing all that stuff but you also teach self-defense and you've had people come in you know women's classes stuff like that and when people who have zero training or will not make a commitment to a lifelong pursuit of martial arts like how many years you've been a martial artist yeah a little over 20 20 yeah i'm i'm going on 50 years as a martial artist wow uh this is this is when my schedule permits this is I, I go and I get my I get choked out and tapped out at Studio 540. Um, I never win. You know, <laughs> I'm a student. Last weekend, I uh, I went and I, I I took a seminar. I I sat in the middle of the group there. I didn't go. Hey, can I have a special spot on the side? Right. Um, the I'm a student. I've got in my in my gym here. You know, a heavy bag. Uh, bag over here, you know, bag over here. I, I fucking punch shit. I, I've got knives. I've got guns. I'm a student of martial arts. So I want to put that out there first. What a lot of people do is they, they hear that we live in a clickbait society. All of us have been fucking brainwashed to look at a headline and make a judgment. Do I like this guy? Do I not like this guy? Fuck him. He's saying our shit, right? And so um, the video comes out. And there's a line, hey, uh, Karen's 150 wall balls. That's more punches than a pro boxer throws in a round or a fight. That's a true statement. Out of context, not being at the seminar, I understand how pro boxers, kickboxers, MMA fighters go, what the fuck's he saying? And then what you yeah. get, and the dangerous thing is people saying, well, you know, I'd like to, you know, why doesn't one of those guys that took that one-day course come in and grapple with me? I'll choke him out. And guess what you would? We're not teaching martial arts in a day. We're teaching how to think about self-defense. So, so bear with me a little bit longer. Um, uh, again, the people who attend the Be Your Own Bodyguard course are non-martial artists who have absolutely no interest at the moment they sign up in pursuing martial arts, in going to a grappling gym, jiu-jitsu, MMA, Thai, whatever. They're there. They're just good Samaritans who go... I want to learn a little bit more about situational awareness. If you look at the description of our course, we break it down into, the, into what we call the three Ds. Detect, diffuse, defend. Detect and avoid. What are the elements of situational awareness? How to choose safety when you get a bad feeling about something. All victims of, vic all, uh, victims of violence who live to tell the tale said they had a bad feeling when something happened. And mm -hmm. so we teach people that this is statistically true. I've been researching this stuff for decades. That the bad feeling is the moment where self-defense begins. So we redefined the definition of self-defense. If you, if you actually Google Merriam-Webster or whatever dictionary online, and you look at the, the, um, the uh, definition for self-defense, it will talk about the physical act of protecting yourself or your property. It starts at physical book. But in the real world, it should start at the emotional, psychological, because that's the first place you're hit. Because every victim, literally every rape victim, every attempted murder victim, every attempted kidnap, and I've been interviewing people for years, 
they all said I knew something was wrong, but they didn't know what to do. So our course runs through detect and avoid, defuse. We talk about a whole psychological, verbal de-escalation. So we have a moral and ethical foundation. And then we get into simple, simple, listen. Could you teach somebody how to box on a Saturday? No. Of course not. Could no. you teach somebody jujitsu on a Saturday? No. No. You know what I'm saying? It's like, but guess what I can do? And this was the whole thing. And I'm begging everybody listening. Just let's 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 get off our our the you know the hater aid and all that for a second. I apologized for the the misrepresentation of a very important principle, and that is this: when you as a as a coach, when you had somebody that it was their first time going to go in the ring and spar, what was as a coach? What was your biggest role and goal with that individual? And, and let me let me let me put words in your mouth just in the interest of time and stuff like this is as a coach what we're looking for as coaches is to inspire performance and what stops somebody from self-actualizing in sparring or in a competition is fear yeah and because if they if they learn the moves <clears throat> if they understand how to jab and cross or move their head or they understand you know uh, basic grappling or whatever they're competing in what stops people from excelling is fear. And talk to anybody. I mean, guys, all, whoever's listening to this, there's 51 people on this. Honestly, 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 how much has fear interfered with your life? Like spell interference with F-E-A-R. That's not how you spell it, but go with the metaphor. So we're, we're looking at, if I look at a gunfight with a cop or military, if I look at a boxing match, if I look at, uh, when I look at people at the highest level, what is what is impacting them very often is worrying about the outcome, worrying about losing, how that might uh, affect their standing, their ranking, their their endorsements, whatever. Anyways, I'm trying to paint a big picture so everyone can relate here. Um, and I mean, anyone's played any sport has or or been in a fight, a ring fight, has understood like the fear is the biggest thing, the psychological aspect of it is really the the, the biggest because, issue. Because because the work the work has happened. You've done your road work. You've done your pad work. You've done your leading up to it. Now it's performance anxiety. And so I posted something. Mm. I don't know. Do you, do you know Kieran Fitzgibbons? He's a, oh, a, yeah. A CSA. CSA. So, yeah. So Kieran just posted something. I reposted it. Everyone here should read this. Like I, like I met Kieran almost 20 years ago. And, uh, and he, I'm not, not going to say it. Go read what he wrote about our relationship and how I've influenced his coaching. So what I want people to understand here is I'm, I've been a lifelong martial artist. I am a lifelong martial artist. And I've been a CrossFitter for 11, 12 years. And I was doing my own self-defense seminars for CrossFit uh, boxes like in 2011, 2009. To, like, you know, I started with them in 2006 with them, like practicing CrossFit. I enjoyed CrossFit as much as for all the haters out there and everything, they have revolutionized fitness. They've made the, the planet Earth more fit. Love them or hate them, they have awakened a, a, a movement and made millions of people more fit. Um, what I discovered in CrossFit was the workouts were scary, the workouts were intense, the workouts were short, and I immediately saw this resonance with uh, sparring and fighting and real fighting. And... and uh, so I, and I really enjoyed the community. It was the first time I was around an athletic community that stayed and cheered the person that came in last. 
I've mm. never seen that in fighting. I've never seen that in wrestling. I've never seen that in jiu-jitsu. There's all the clicks in the elite, where the elite group, where the tier one guys, boom. Um, the 2007, at the first CrossFit Games that I attended, uh, you know, the, there was a girl that came in last, and every single athlete person, I like, I literally, my eyes, I was getting goosebumps. My eyes were tearing up because I saw true, true uh, uh, community there. All of that to say, you know, people knew what I did and they started asking me to come. And, and years ago, Nicole Carroll, one of uh, CrossFit's training directors, uh, in, uh, she had, like many, many women, fear of being alone, fear of traveling, fear of getting raped, fear of being attacked. And uh, she would ask me questions. And one day I was doing a seminar outside her home on the East Coast. It was up in, up in uh, D.C. And there were 120 people there. And she came in. And I got a phone call from uh, Coach Glassman, the founder of CrossFit, about an hour after the seminar ended and said, I want to do something with you and CrossFit. So a lot of people think this is like a big money thing. That I was, I've been teaching self-defense for almost 40 years, right? And mm -hmm. I always make this joke, like, you know, if you've been training for 10 years, you know, it's like somebody, you know, on here, uh, like going, oh, Blower stuff is shit and this is why, like, like I've been studying violence for fucking 40 years and fast forward this whole thing just just so i want people to understand the background and the context is i started teaching myself defense i started doing it out of a, a love with the community because i uh enjoyed the community and i hope we're not sideways online are we sideways online everybody no the, the, no okay no we, uh, we look good okay cool because all the the on my phone all of the comments coming up are are uh, horizontal yeah, same way here, but uh, but the the visuals, okay. yeah, okay. we're good. I, I just hate watching shit like this. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Uh, I was trying to read a couple of them uh, too late, man. It's making me look sorry. Anyhow, so um, so folks, this came about very much because I was a, a in the CrossFit community as an athlete, uh, and uh, and I started to recognize that these people who have no martial art foundation, because for twenty years before that, as somebody came to my seminars, they had a martial art foundation. They understood torque. They understood angles. They understood how to drop a punch in. They understood how to close with the enemy. They, you know, they had sparred or what have you. And so, uh, at at a seminar, at Rogue Fitness, I was doing. There were three, you know, games athletes there that were having trouble with just like what I considered simple movement that Buck you would you would easily do that. You know, like as a, as a, a you know career martial artist with a passion. And I was like, holy shit! Like what I realized is that. People, do you want me to turn? Because you just turned. Yeah, I just turned. I, I got um, feedback that people are saying that we're sideways. So I turned it the other way. How are we looking, guys? Sorry, sorry everybody. Yeah, Fuck. no worries. No worries. No worries. I didn't mean to interrupt you. We're just, hey, don't ask us to set up your IT. Ask us. Never. We're not, we're not the technical. It's Anyhow. out of our range of profession right now, guys. Right, so. right. So I just want to make a point. Like, you're, you're making a good point. I want to, I want to say... Uh, I appreciate you addressing the actual issue of the of the the workout side of it. I don't think that, and I wasn't questioning necessarily like the spear system or anything like that. I was questioning this young guy just saying something that was out of context. And I can understand how someone would do it. Like for instance, I've had dancers come to my class, and it's like, okay, how do I get them to throw a Muay Thai kick? Well, you know how to do a pirouette. Okay, you know pirouette, turn your hip over, hit with the shin. It's speaking the language. I'm trying to communicate with someone with the language they understand. So I, I inherently understand 
a CrossFitter trying to like speak the language of CrossFit to people. I just think he's overstepped. I think he overstepped. I don't think he had any malicious intent. And I understand the guy had some. Listen, you know, uh, and maybe we'll get Adrian on on a call with you. And, yeah, and, sure. And he can discuss it. Like I said, the guy's a professional stuntman, uh, parkour, has a free running academy, uh, military, golden glove boxer. He's a badass, right? Um, mm. He, I spoke to him today, and I spoke to my team, and I was like, "Hey guys, you know, like, like, like this isn't fun, right?" Okay, I haven't read a single comment, um, but every time somebody tags me, like my phone's blowing up. Thank God I got two phones, and I had my 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 business social media phone off, right? Smart man. Uh, and, and and I appreciate you reaching out and 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 doing this. Um, yeah. Let me piggyback on what you just said there because that's. That was the mistake in the editing, which I'm not throwing anyone under the bus. We didn't edit it. I didn't see it. I didn't approve it. I just said, whoa, that needs context. So picture this. Let's let's back up 10 minutes. Everybody who watched that video, let's back up 10 minutes and look at a room of 50 people who've never thrown a punch, never thrown a kick. And I go, there are three things that you need to understand to protect yourself and your family. One is you need situational awareness. You need to pick up and recognize when you're in danger. The next thing you need is to manage your fear spike. Because when you recognize that you're close to danger, you're going to get a fucking adrenaline dump and a fear spike. If it's at extreme close quarters, like, like you're getting in your car, you just opened a door, you're getting in an apartment, uh, you know, somebody jumped out of a, a van and grabbed you. Like, I'm not talking about, oh, I can run now, I can, I can leave. I'm talking about an extreme close quarter moment. What you need is a primal gross motor movement that is simple to execute under high stress. Now, I've been studying extreme violence for years, and my main clients, as you know, are military and law enforcement. That's who I teach all the time. We do maybe 10 B-Room bodyguard courses for CrossFit boxes a year, maybe. Like, people go, oh, this is like, you know, some of the comments that, that people tell me is like, oh, selling out, trying to use CrossFit to... We do it as a favor to the community. The people in those boxes are CrossFit athletes who aren't doing jiu-jitsu and boxing and, and all of that. So what I did was, um, uh, what I did was, is I, I was watching them train. This was in Ohio at a Rogue, and and I was watching wall balls. And all of a sudden, I, I saw in, in a, a lunch workout, I saw the kinetic chain of a palm strike, just in the same metaphor you did with the dancer. So why the dancer was struggling with throwing a shin kick or a round kick is because they were trying to remember, memorize the Japanese or the Chinese name or the Thai, or the Thai name. They were, they were analysis paralysis. They were thinking, fuck, i got to start over. And so what I did is what you did is I hacked their neuron myelinization, the brain science that says you've got a skill set that you can apply here. And so if I, like I've been using the seatbelt analogy for 25 years. Adrian, who mm -hmm. I talked to earlier today, he was the, the coach in the video, he didn't know that. You know, he just, he, I said, dude, I, I would be teaching uh, women and kids self-defense years ago, and it was just like a quick, quick tip. Somebody's choking you, put on your seatbelt. If you reach for your seatbelt, you're gonna rip an elbow cross. Now, a bad elbow in the fucking eye socket is better than no elbow in the eye socket. Right. Hmm. And yeah, so, okay. the, so the idea was, how do I get them moving? 
listen, here's another part of our course, which we, we can't really uh, uh, show or get into deeply on, on Facebook here, is we show uh, videos and examples <clears throat> of people who successfully defend themselves with zero training, just through sheer will and indignation. And it, that's a big part. Uh, and and I, I wrote that in 1986 for an Inside Karate Magazine uh, article where I said, listen, that there, there are more people who get attacked every day in the world and successfully defend themselves with no training whatsoever. More people than there ever will be trained people who get attacked and successfully defend themselves. Um, and you have to do, and again, there's, we got video and, and testimonial stuff that's, that's part of the presentation. But what we're showing is like, we're showing a person who just decides she's not gonna get raped and murdered, you know, clawing at somebody's face, you know, improvising, smacking, screaming, because bad guys don't wanna get caught. They don't wanna get hurt. They don't want for things to take too long. Very different than a cage fight, very different than a boxing match. And so the mindset here is completely different. And so this program, like I wrote online in, in, in my, what I hoped was a, a uh, you know, an official statement, is we're just trying to make people safer. And what I looked at, and so if you go back 10 minutes before that clip that was released, it's a bunch of people who are afraid of the movement. And, and what we say to them is we go, listen, how many push-ups have you done? How many burpees have you done? How many wall balls have you done? Because the kinetic chain of that movement, what we're trying to do is connect to, and get this, you know this as a martial arts instructor, there are lots of people that, that go through all the motions, but their coach isn't working their head or working their timing or working their body impact training, but they've got the mechanics of a reverse punch or a sidekick or an arm bar. But when it comes time to spar or, or compete, they, they lose their minds because they can't manage their fear, right? So we, mm. what, we're, what I'm suggesting is that there are physical skills that when, they, when, they're, not, when they're not fused with the, 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 the whole competence of uh, mindset and fear management are just physical skills, you might as well just be a dancer, right? And so mm. the dancer can't use the kicks in a self-defense adaptation until you as the coach say, Hey, did you know that you've got the range of motion, the neuromuscular communication, the kinesthetic perception? You're a superior athlete to anybody in this beginner's class. So why don't you take that athleticism, that discipline, that, 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 that uh, uh, what I call you know, neuromuscular control, um, and apply that to self-defense. So what you've done is hacked the physical skill. What you need to do now is, is empower them. That's the emotional, psychological. And then give them aggression drills, right? Because a lot of them have no clue. So what was missing in that CrossFit video was the 15, 10, 15 minutes before where we said, listen, there are three or four moves that we know work. They're primal gross motor. They work in close quarter fights. So if you can't run away and you can't talk yourself out and somebody's grabbed you, grabbed your hair, that and your hand's up like this, and I'm going, oh, that you can look at their face, pretend their face is a fucking med ball, boom, and smash it. And the 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 power and speed and intensity of you doing years of push-ups, years of wall balls can be transferred into this explosive movement. It's not a pristine or a technical palm strike, but it's still an explosive movement. And so if I'm teaching somebody an elbow and I'm hitting them with a pad, so like, and I've done this, right? Where I take somebody in class and I go, let me see an elbow. And they're in their mind, they're trying to do this elbow movement and they're getting locked up in performance anxiety, but 
And so what mm. I do, exactly what you did as a coach with your dancers, is I say, listen, stop. Show me a front rack. And they go, Ksh. I go, you've got the neuromuscular control, the discipline, the range of motion, and the kinetic chain to do the elbow. What's missing is, is the emotional, psychological to hit somebody really fucking hard in the throat, in the neck, in the face when they're trying to harm you. So what was missing in the clip was us saying, you've got this, this potential arsenal that we can hack. But again, like what comes in later in the afternoon is this, this whole psychological series, about an hour and a half on peer management and a whole really emotional talk on what will it cost you if you don't fight back? Mm. Right. And so, and I've done this in, in, in class. I did this, uh, um, this is back when I was living in Montreal, Canada, and I had uh, a school uh, there, and there was a women's self-defense class, and everyone was beginners the first day, and what I was doing is I was holding focus pads. So I had these, you can still see me here. Mm -hmm. I was holding focus pads for the girls. And what I did was, it was a little scenario that I did with them, and I said, I'm going to come up to you, and I'm going to grab you by the throat. And I'm going to pull you in. I'm going to threaten you. And I go, if you scream or try anything, I'm going to fucking kill you. You better cooperate with me. And I had them take a, a faint fear response like this. And, and, and I had them, you know, uh, uh, feign compliance. And then I pushed them simulating. I was always trying to create scenarios. You know this from, from our, our talks back in Virginia Beach. Everything was scenario driven. And so I pushed them back. And so I'd say feign compliance and going, I'm going to cooperate with you. Do whatever you want to me. Because now, psychologically, as the aggressor, I've dropped my guard. I think they're a helpless, compliant victim, right? Mm -hmm. I would push them back, and then I'd start to walk towards them. So it was as though I'd push them back into a bedroom. And then I'd take the focus pad that I had in one hand, and as I was walking, I'd put it at groin height. And their job was to, whenever they felt comfortable, whap, you know, fire some fucking knee or front kick as I was walking in with my overconfidence. And one of the women through the worst front kick in the world. So you, if I said to you, have you ever seen the worst front kick in the world? You'd say, yeah, one of my beginner students, you should have seen it was awful, right? She threw a kick that it was like, she was like, her hands came up, her leg came up straight. It was like this fucking ridiculous. This mm. And, but it was her, she was nervous and scared and she didn't want to do it. It was first class and I talked her through it. But I got her to throw that one kick. I got her to experience aggression. That was her obstacle, right? Mm -hmm. And one of my male students who was stretching for the class um, after, did you ever know Angelo Exaharkis? No, you, no. You know that name? So mm -hmm. Angelo was one of my students, and he would run a grappling class. He was a Greco-Roman um, uh, uh, Greco um, uh, competitor on the Canadian team, uh, Olympic team. But he was George St. Pierre's first grappling coach. Oh, wow. Okay. Also trained. He used to drive to New York every weekend and train with Henzo and John Danaher. Um, and he's like a, one of my top students. And I had him running. I've always been very eclectic. We had stick fighting at our school. We had grappling. We had jiu-jitsu. We had all these things. I need everybody out there to cool their jets. Fucking love all martial arts, right? Um, but I'm trying to make the world safer. That's That's been my thing. And even just... In the example that I just gave you there of how I held the focus pad, right, um, is uh, 
it wasn't just focus pad. It was putting in a scenario because in the real world, everything's a fucking scenario. Anyways, here's the whole point of this. In the corner, one of my guys is stretching, waiting for the, for the class coming up. And he sees this shit kick and it's really bad. And I hear him giggle. And I see her, her eyes kind of like dart over because he does this little, you've ever seen somebody fall or miss a bag on a punch and, you know, people giggle, right? Yeah. Um, it was like one of these little, like little, <laughs> little things here. And this kid's name was Justin. So I have him go like this. I go, so as a, as a coach, guys, everyone listening is as a coach, what I did is I, I hear this, I see her look over and I realize he just poked a pin in what whatever little self-esteem or confidence I garnered by getting her to do one fucking kick that she didn't want to do. You're not going to be able to protect yourself or defend yourself if you won't even give yourself permission to fight back, right? So mm -hmm. it starts with rep one. How do you get good at anything? Do some fucking reps. So I see he giggles very subtly. She picks up on it. She looks back. She's like blushing a little bit. I go, hey, Justin, hey, come here. Can I borrow you? He's like, yeah, coach. And he comes like, he comes running over. I go, like, we don't do like horse stances like in Jean-Claude Van Damme movies, but do you know how to hit one? He goes, sure. And he, so he goes, he goes like this. I go like, really give me a deep one. Like, show me your flexibility. So he goes, he's like this. And he goes, I go, no, even lower. So he goes down here like this. And I don't know if you can see my groin in here. So he's up here like this and I make him sit back more. And I grab her and please visualize you're here in the class. And I grab her by the shoulders and I walk her over standing right in front of him. And he's like in a fucking horse stance like this. And I turn her and I say, I want you to do rep number two right now. I want you to fucking kick him in the balls just like you kicked this focus pad. And here's what he did, Buck, and everyone listening. When, he, when I said, kick him in the balls, just like you kicked, he went like this. He went, whoa, what? And I looked at him and I said, her fucking kick isn't so funny anymore, is it? Mm. And then I, and, and what I, what I'm trying to explain people is that we, in a real violent encounter, we can't confuse technical with tactical. Tactical is the act of trying to protect yourself. And if I've got a day to work with somebody, and I wrote about this in 2013, I think, that I can teach somebody how to use a fire extinguisher in an hour, but it doesn't make them a fireman. I can teach somebody CPR in four hours, and they've got the skill and the ability to save somebody's life, but it doesn't make them a doctor. And when people make fun of a course that they don't understand the totality of it, it's like a doctor laughing at a CPR course. Um, and, and that's what I'm trying to get people to understand. Listen, in all fairness, I understand why the video drove people crazy. Sure. Uh, and, and, and again, uh, you know, I, I, I can't take that back. All I can do is come on here and say it was out of context. The representation that Agent was trying to make, and we'll try to get him on a show, um, I, I've seen him explain it differently. So sometimes, you know, when you're live, you fucking say some shit that happened to be, that happened to be you know, captured the way it was. The, the, when, I, when I saw it, when the video came out and I saw it, I went, I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> like yeah, I knew, here we I go. And so I want to say super clear, again, um, the, the, the video's out of context. I understand why people lost their shit. The connection between 150 wall balls and how many rounds a, a pro boxer would throw is irrelevant unless we're just talking about math, right? It, you know, it doesn't matter. 
what we are what was missing from the video was the context that I've got non-martial artists in the class who are afraid to just even fucking hit a focus pad and we and we hit focus uh, we hit wall balls which people love to make fun of I created a meme for you right you know um, uh, for everybody you should check it out maybe you'll post it after yeah I'll post it on the on the, on, on on the it, page but, but what we do is like we're in places that don't have heavy bags and gloves and focus pads so we take a wall ball which well, I can move around like a focus pad or an air shield or a kicking shield, but it's got the the uh, resilience and and uh, density of a light heavy bag. So I can I can nail shit with it. I can hit elbows and drop elbows and smash it and do knees and get people in a class to move. So what we're doing there is we're saying to people, listen, this is the kinetic chain of a palm strike. That when someone's got a gun in your face, someone's got a knife in your face, someone's grabbed your throats. Um, the uh, hands come up, that's a natural reflex. If I shoved you and their hands came up, that predisposes you to fire this double palm strike under the chin. And what we're te- all we're telling people is like, you've got thousands of reps of that biomechanic. What we need to do is fuel that with timing, aggression, and managing your fear. And that coaching is no different than any coaching. We're not saying that, the, the, you know, so we're not saying you can punch harder than a boxer. You can punch faster than a boxer. You could beat a boxer. That's an extrapolation that people make in their mind. I understand why it feels like, like they were baited into that. Um, well, technically, but, he actually did say that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he, te- he technically I, did say that. Just, what just, I a, just as heard, a... What I, what I heard, I listened to it only once, was mm-hmm. that he said that's the uh, same... I mean, it doesn't matter. It was... It mm-hmm. was misrepresented but i heard him say uh, you do 150 wall balls and that's how many uh, uh, uh some punches don't even throw that many punches in a in a fight or in a round but let's 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 move past that the the context here is is that the uh the lesson we created and that connection that if you can do a front rack you've got the range of motion to do an elbow so now only focus on doing this elbow in the self-defense scenario. What I was trying to do was mitigate an unnecessary fear that this non-martial artist would have, just like you did with the dancer, going, I can't move my leg like that. I can't kick. Yeah, you can. You actually have better athleticism and neuromuscular or kinesthetic perception than most of the people in here because you've been fucking dancing forever. Yeah, you've been on one leg for most of your career. I think right. the, 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 or the, and I hate using the word intellectual honesty because that connotates that like somebody was trying to lie. And I don't think the kid was trying to do that at all. But like, I would never, for example, tell a dancer that, well, since you've done pirouettes your entire career, you can throw more powerful tie kicks than a tie boxer. And that's, that's kind of what he said about the, the wall ball. And I know he didn't mean it, but it was, it, it came wasn't out true. Right. And, I, and yeah. I wish. And I wish uh, we could take it back, but we can't. But it's given us an opportunity to maybe get to know each other a little bit more and, and communicate about that. Uh, yeah, I, can guarantee, sure. I can guarantee this, that, that my whole team who teaches to the CrossFit will think very carefully about certain <laughs> language, right? I mean, but we so, all do it, man. We all know. do it. Like, it's, we're people. You know, you say something, I'm like, God damn, I wish I hadn't said that. And we're in this, we're in this new era now. Like, if you say something, it gets captured forever oh on, the, on the internet. And it's like, you can't take anything back. Well, that's, I mean, that's, that's some of the danger and stuff like that. Like, you know, 
I had, uh, you know, and I didn't read the comments, but I get like tagged on things. And, and so uh, it's, uh, um, it's, you know, like I'll see like three sentences, then I'll just block or delete where it's like, hey, man, like, uh, I bet you, you know, wouldn't last a second if you and like people are like misunderstanding what self-defense is versus combat sports, what self-defense is versus what training reality-based self-defense is, what self-defense is versus classical or traditional martial arts. They're really, there's a lot of evidence out there. Tim Larkin, um, I don't know if you're friends with Tim. Um, yeah, but, uh, no, he uh, is. Um, you know, he's written some very, very effective books, good books. Uh, and But he did a, a video analysis of two, uh, uh, I believe they're pro MMA fighters. One was a UFC level guy in Brazil um, getting trashed by four punks at a gas station in a fight. Um, and in the beginning of the fight, they were like toe to toe with guys fucking in there, like in the pocket doing stuff until one of them realized, oh, these guys know how to fight. And he went and grabbed a two by four out of the garbage and hit both of them in the head. One of them, he put in a coma. The guy mm. might be dead now. His career's over. Um, and I look at that and I go like, like these guys are badasses, but what they did is they were missing D1 and D2, the situational awareness and the verbal stuff because there's CCTV video of, um, of the altercation starting inside the store bunch of guys a couple of girls and you see and then they you go outside and switches cameras but you know uh, I talk about this listen you know people think it's lip service I'm tr I'm trying to make people safer and 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 we've worked with and have had in our courses like every skill level and there's tons of people in our courses you know it's like I always make a joke like I'm a coach I'm sharing with you research to make you safer in this arena that doesn't have John McCarthy it doesn't have any rules. There is no cup. There's no mouth guard. There's no weight division. And more importantly, you don't even know when the fight fucking starts. It's called an ambush in the street. And your striking may help you, and your grappling may help you, and your tie boxing may help you, and your running may help you. But the most important thing we can cultivate is situational awareness and the fear management. And so, you know, this this the you know the unfortunate thing about about the the video that we're that we're talking about is it was like a two or three minute snippet that was missing the, the, the framing. And, and I agree with you. Um, if he said, and I've literally watched it once, um, if he said, you know, you can throw as much power, and listen, I can hit, and, and the next time we get together, I'm gonna have you do this double palm on a heavy bag, mm. and then throw a right on the heavy bag. You can generate more pressure force with a double, double palm strike than, than an overhand right. It's, it's insane. Yeah. But that doesn't matter. I mean, that's like, you know, like just because you can bench press doesn't mean you can, that you can defend yourself. Like, you know, but what we're, what we're trying to get people to do, what we're trying to inspire in them is like, here's a scared soccer mom or here's a dad who is like something just happened in the news and he's brought his, like we had, we had a father with his kid there. We had, you know, families there. We had moms there. These, all they want to do is be away from violence. And so if something happened, we we're just sh showing them like, Hey, listen, if you go up to somebody and you grab them by the throat and you go, here's what's going to fucking happen to you. And you go, please don't hurt me. And then you, as hard as you can smash your hands up, pretending 
their head as a wall ball and you're trying to hit their head on a 12-foot target, I'm sorry for all of you people who can't wrap your head around that. That's going to break some teeth and fuck somebody up, you know? And what we're not suggesting, and this is the big thing, is like we're not teaching people martial arts. We're teaching mm. them simple things and how to hack um, some movements. That, 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 that kick to the balls example is, is profound. And when I teach, I talk about it um, in, in every seminar. One of the things that I do in our seminars, and I've got a videotape of it, I'll, I'll show it to you, um, and you can post that. I took a girl who's never done any self-defense, any martial arts, and I had a guy hold a med ball, you know, like this, like he was holding a, like an air shield. And I had her grab onto him. And, I, and so her, you know, her, you can visualize this, you know, he's standing like this. I had her grab his hair, grab his shirt. And I said, do a knee to elbow or do a mountain climber. So it was just doing that. Well, she had the, the muscular strength, stamina, and endurance because of the engine she had developed as an athlete. What she didn't have was situational awareness and fear management. And I made her do, I think it was like six or eight fucking knees to elbows, and I'd be yelling at her, fucking harder, harder, go harder. And she's blasting these things. And then I stopped her, right? And I'll send you the link. They were fucking like scary knees. Was the... Um, was the... Uh, uh, knee, a technical knee. There was a guy there. Um, there was a guy there in a class at a black belt. I said, "Are these good knees?" And he says, "Well, technically they're not." I said, "Would you let her knee you in the face or the or the the groin with those knees?" He said, "Oh no." And that was my point. It's just for that that for somebody who's not going to invest like we have our whole lives to studying different martial arts. This is better than having no skill set. Yeah. And I guess that's a good, it's a good question. Like, you know, does the end justify the means? Like if you're, you know, if, if someone what's says this, something that's not true. Lying, what is lying in misdirection? What is the, what does that even mean? If lying in misdirection lead to safety? I don't know. Like I'll, I'll interpret it. Um, cause I can't speak for everybody. I read some of the, 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 the comments. So, so um, Paul, a lot so of people. Listen, hey, let me interrupt here. Cause this is an offensive post. Does lying in misdirection, lying, when somebody lies, they know they're lying. It's, it's a deliberate manipulation. What was the lie? You know? I would argue, I would argue if the, uh, the guy who was teaching the CrossFit class, especially if he, if he was teaching, like Karen, for example, being something that, that, that's going to be more powerful than a boxer's punch, that would be a lie if it was done on purpose. The argument that would also be but, then but, if they wasn't listen, doing it on purpose and that wasn't the you point. know the conversation is going to devolve instead of in, instead of get us all a little bit more educated you know the, the the if i said to you that a boxer's punch is stronger than a reverse punch would i be lying if i said a reverse punch a, a traditional japanese reverse punch is stronger than a boxer would i be lying like depends which one's on, lie? Yeah, depends on so, who's throwing the punch. So, really. so, so what we need to do is we need to measure, but then we got to make sure that that the measurement is. This is a stupid conversation. I just got an adrenaline dump. Thank you, Paulo. Um, the the Adrian wasn't lying, and Adrian's a fucking boxer, and and he meant in in a in a in an effort to over help people overcome fear of executing a move. 
he was trying to empower them. And the fact of the matter is, and I could do it right now on my fucking heavy bag here, that I can I can go to a, a heavy bag, and I'm not gonna fucking I'm not gonna do it at wraps because this is one of those water bags. But I can go here and go bang and fucking nail that like that, and we can measure that. Or I can go boom and and, and hit that like with double palms and. The, the double palm moved the 200-pound water bag more than the cross. We're not talking about like a boxer versus a one-day CrossFit athlete. The boxer is going to light up the CrossFit athlete, right? We're not talking about sparring and competence in the ring. I'm talking about, you know, you're, you're putting the key in your door and all of a sudden a, someone grabs your shoulder, you turn around and your hands come up, smash them and just do this. Um, Adrian was not lying. He was trying to empower people. And we could argue if we all wanted to, maybe, maybe, maybe you guys can finance this. Um, we'll, we'll go to the laboratory and measure the impact. But guess what? It doesn't fucking matter. It wasn't a lie. It was... Squeaking. Anyways, let's move on. That, that, that got me. Stop being such a contrarian, dude. There, there, was, no, there was no lie there. I already came in late. I already apologized for the video. Let's move on. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, I'm going to just do my own summary. At the end of the day, a lot of all the people who are listening to this show and are guests on my show are trying to make people safer. We're all going to have our own different ways of looking at it. I think that because we're in the public media, we are open to scrutiny. And I think conversations like this, for example, are important. I think the best thing that came out of that CrossFit video is the fact that there is a conversation about it. And... And, and, and then we're moving on. I want to talk to people about um, the, the, the physiological approach that you take to self-defense. That was something when I met you was something kind of new to me. The idea of like the startle flinch and conversion theory, um, how to use your body's just basically primal biology in order to defend it. Because for some people who are listening that don't really know a whole lot about that, right. um, I'd like you to, to speak to that and maybe related to what we're talking about here. Um, in general, did you have like a specific question about it? Yeah. So a lot of people don't, you know, think about, for example, self-defense. They think self-defense, go do a martial art, go fight. You've said it before that self-defense is not fighting. Right. So then there's therefore, what is it? And part of the, the descriptions I've heard was that you're looking more, using more of the body, the body's primal physiology in order to do that. But a lot of people don't understand what that means. Like most people understand, yes, I get, I, when I get scared, I get startled, but how is that how is that reflex um pertinent to self-defense for someone who may not know anything about any of this well and here's the thing is physiology unites and connects all of us right so if right now um you know uh, a picture fell off the wall behind you and startled you 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 would move you would flinch in reaction to the auditory stimuli um that's just that's just physiology. We hear somebody rack a gun. We hear a knife open. You know, someone you you, you know. And so, understanding that that the fastest human response time we have is our startle flinch response, right? It's an eighty thousand year old DNA. What I noticed back, I was doing a, an experimental drill in the eighties called the sucker punch drill, and uh, I had a mouth guard student had on uh, boxing gloves, and. Uh, we would just start a conversation and then he would just out of nowhere, he'd go, well, you know, whack, you know, and a shot would come out of nowhere. And I, for like an hour, it was in the VHS days, you know, like, uh, you know, this camera, I filmed it. 
I got my face punched in for an hour. At the end of it, my lips were bleeding. I had a headache. Uh, I had mouse under both eyes. Um, and I watched the video back and I, and I over and over again because I knew I was onto something, but I didn't know this is like 1987, 1988. But I didn't know what the fuck was going on because what I was trying to do was slip. I was trying to slip. I was trying to parry. I was trying to do wax on, wax off. You know, whatever. I, well, the Karate Kid wasn't around then, but, but it was... <laughs> um, and I was confused by when proximity changed, my nervous system started to interfere with my complex motor skill. And you see it in pro boxing, you see it in, in street fights, you see it with law enforcement, military, um, where if a stimulus is introduced too quickly, your cognitive brain that houses all your complex motor skills gets bypassed by your reptilian brain. And you know, I can say that in a mouthful right now, in the 80s, I had no idea what that was. I just knew that, you know, when when one of my top students who's a real good boxer, good hands, you know, broke my rhythm and came in with a punch that whenever I tried to do a lop sow, tan sow, parry it, slip it, do something, half the time I was effective, the other half I got nailed. But every time that I flinched, it hit a part of my body. So if I flinched, you know, it, you know, the hands came up, but um I was like confused by that because I wasn't thinking about flinching. I wasn't going, oh, I should flinch really fast here. Mm. And, and so I started to like study that and play with that and study that and play with it. And we're still working on it. We're still doing like, a, you know, uh, working with uh, psychologists and neuroscientists, understanding neurons and myelinization and, 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 and how to do certain scenarios that elicit uh, a flinch and a conversion because then you could hardwire things faster. But the idea was this, is that regardless of your, your skill set, regardless of the toolbox that you own. So let's say you've been doing jiu-jitsu 10 years, Thai boxing 10 years, boxing 10 years. Those are skill sets that work when you are actively engaged in that sport or that activity, right? So if you're at Starbucks and a guy steps in front of you in line and you go, hey, dude, the fuck you doing? Like, there's a line here. And, and he goes, boom, and he fires a punch there. You're not just going to bob and weave it just because you were a boxer. Because your brain is stuck in some sort of like, like bizarre. Uh, this will date me, but you'll remember this Twilight Zone. Most people don't know Twilight Zone. Like a Twilight. Like what the fuck's going on? Yeah. Right. And so when I would talk to, and it could be cops, it could be military, it could be security. When I would talk to people that are engaging with asocial motherfuckers, they were describing behaviors and movements that we don't see or practice in the dojo, in the cage. Uh, on on the tatami mat, and so th things that happen that you've never seen before trigger emotional psychological responses called a startle flinch. And so the idea was, if you look at the startle flinch as as uh, uh, additional insulation, right? It's so we always say spears a bridge to your next move. That means so your startle flinch deploys like an organic airbag. Somebody goes to grab you, and your hands will come up. If you're a good boxer, you, you got in the way of that, blap, you fucking nailed the guy there, right? Frank Shamrock, in one of his early, early fights, uh, do you remember the Jackson-Shamrock fight? Yeah. Um, oh, so, yeah. So Jackson comes out, he's like an Olympic wrestler. Everyone expected him to do what? Go for a takedown. Yeah, what did he do? He came in and he threw, I think, the first like attempt at a Superman punch. Mm. And if you watch it carefully, Frank, who I'm a southpaw, usually but you know so i'm sitting over here but he was orthodox but the he comes in i don't remember what he was but he comes in and jackson comes running across the, the the cage and frank if you watch him carefully does this 
what the fuck? Mm. And his finger play and he starts to put his hands out and this punch comes around and they fucking collide together and they fall into this fucking mess that Frank converts into one of the fastest tap outs in UFC history. I think it was like 29 seconds, armbar, right? Mm. But the first thing he did was a start of flinch, right? And so for all of you people going, oh, Tony's taking credit for Frank's victory, shut the fuck up. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that even the highest trained athletes will flinch. And the highest trained athletes who maintain their composure and manage their fear, their fear can apply uh, you know, a principle we call closest weapon, closest target, where now from that off-balance position can convert it and turn it into something positive. That's really the essence of what we're doing. I don't have a school, man. I don't, I don't, we don't have like black belts and spear in startle flinch conversion. I do seminars and consulting and mentoring. We've got these, these workshops. We know they work because I've been doing them for two decades more. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we've taught thousands and thousands of people. We have feedback that this shit works uh, professionally and personally. So the idea here was, was just how do we make you safer? If you're a boxer, would you be safer if you understood more about detect, defuse, defend, start a flinch conversion, uh, uh, and stuff like that? If you're a grappler, would that make you safer? Would you? It's and so I think part of the problem, Buck, is people are looking at it, and what they're doing is unconsciously visualizing what we're teaching in an octagon, or in a in a tournament, or in a ring, and and if you do that, of course that makes no sense. Mm. that's not what the system is about we're not we're not trying to stop people from practicing martial arts and we're not trying to um debase or put down martial arts we're just trying to make people safer with some discoveries based on human movement and and behavioral psychology do you still look at i mean when i met you you one of the terms you used was the spear was the bridge to the next move right That, that was it is that something that you still oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so so in some of our courses, remember the you know the the CrossFit course is specifically designed for people who are CrossFitters, and so we use language and nomenclature that is familiar with them. So that if I say, "Look, you're going to show you a knee here," you're probably afraid to do a knee. But if you think about knees to elbows, mountain climbers, and and uh, um, any any type of, of uh, hip flexion movement, you already have stamina, endurance, speed, and kinesthetic perception for that movement now let's apply it to fighting like like the dancer metaphor right that's all we're doing so people are looking at that and going oh fuck it's bullshit right for them it fucking works they're not going to you know uh uh enter a tough man competition on friday for other audiences we train every military vertical you know we we do we do shit with we train all over the world we've done stuff you know, uh, uh, with elite grapplers, with MMA guys, and we're not showing them how to grapple or punch or whatever. We're showing them how to, in the worst, if you, I'd say the worst case scenario for you or I or anyone trained is if we were fucking caught off guard and scared, right? Mm-hmm. If we're caught off guard and scared, we would flinch. The faster you convert to flinch, the faster you're back in the fight. That's what we mean by spears a bridge to your next move. If you hit the finger splayed outside 90, um, a, a, a muscle recruitment impact happens. And this is all neuroscience and kinesiology. But the finger splayed outside 90 is this very, very powerful uh, uh, biomechanic position that recruits and optimizes this 
this stable position. From there, you fire your knee, your head, bite your elbow, you get out your gun, your knife. Who are you? You know, force most parallel danger. How much danger are you in? What are you doing? So that's what we mean by spears a bridge to your next move. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best to explain it like in my own head. So like right. that, that, that moment when you're um, ambushed, for example, like where you're basically neurologically hijacked, you've got your, your body has a natural defense system that's going to happen no matter what. And you're basically right. trying to optimize that so that you can get past that hijacking and get back to access whatever you can do right. with a conscious brain. So to speak, does that make sense? Am I saying yeah, that right? And I, and I love, I love that expression, neurologically hijacked. One of the things that we talk about is that your reptilian brain, the limbic system, the amygdala, it, it this is neuroscience. This isn't my opinion. This is neuroscience. When a stimulus is introduced too quickly, particularly something that is dangerous to you, your eighty thousand year old genetic DNA that 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 kept us alive, but the dinosaurs are gone, and it kept us evolving through the ages. That's hardwired DNA. It does this. It goes up to protect the command center, the head. Then it tries to push away danger. Um, when you're pushing away danger, so without any training, every one of the people listening to this the show would go, hands up, push away danger. That's fingers played outside 90. So what we're doing is, is we've got a whole bunch of really interesting and cool, fun drills built around that where you drop knees, elbows, headbutts, transition to concealed carry or whatever, depending on the group we're, we're using. Um, and we see it all the time. Like even let's 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 redirect. Um, and I love neurologically hijack. All we're trying to do, dude, is get your cognitive brain to catch up to what your reptilian brain has started to do, and then find a way for them to work harmoniously together. Mm. Right. So if I flinch, and then all I know is, let's say all I do is taekwondo, and I flinch, there's a good chance that I'm going to step backwards and try and get into a range that accommodates kicking. Mm -hmm. right because yeah. that's my neural on myelinization from my years of training does that make sense yeah so if something happens here boom someone smacks me my hands will come up and then what i'll do is i'll jump back where what i want people to do is hands come up and and slam those hands towards the threat like an airbag deploying in a car to prevent that steering wheel from crushing you we need to keep the bad guy back so in the spear system we don't create space by moving we create space by moving the bad guy that allows us our our, our cognitive visual self to catch up see what's happening and maybe it's a fucking shin kick or a side kick or a front kick maybe it's a grab the guy and elbow the guy or maybe it's push him away he falls down run for safety scream for help there's a video that if people really want to do their research listen to this if you google tony blower caliber press um and go to my column there they did an interview with me there were three israeli soldiers approached what turned out to be a terrorist armed with a knife, a hidden knife. Now they approached him and asked him for his papers. So they had situational awareness, right? Because they specifically, they were in a marketplace. It's a CCTV camera. You watch the whole thing from overhead. And they asked him for his papers. And they, and the, uh, and so what I'm saying for everyone tracking this is here's three guys that went, that guy looks suspicious or somebody reported that guy. Let's go make sure he's got his, his ID. They walk up to him, he gets up, and he's doing this. And I wish I had standby. Um, I thought I had a, a, a pen or a knife here. But he goes like this, he, he pulls out his papers like this, but under his papers, he pulls out a knife, and as he brings the papers up, where do their eyes go? 
their eyes go to the paper. He comes over the top and fucking stabs the soldier in the middle, right in the fucking neck near the subclavian artery. Mm. So I don't know if anyone knows that you get stabbed if if you get stabbed in the subclavian artery, you're fucking dead in like seven seconds. It's really, it's a bad place to get cut. Mm. What is now? This happened in Israel with Israeli soldiers. Krav Maga is originally an Israeli art. Do you think the Krav Maga these Israeli soldiers took and were trained in is authentic? It's the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force, learning Krav Maga. We would we would speculate. I don't know. You don't know. But wouldn't you sure. speculate that Krav Maga taught in Israel to Israeli soldiers would be the most authentic? You would you would expect. Yeah. Right. Right. I'm not trying to trap you. I'm just like, no, no, like, I, I get it. Like, yeah. This is Israel. I, these are the Israeli soldiers. They're it should be Krav pretty Maga. legit if it's from here. Yeah. It's, it's, it, let's say it's like it's tier one Krav Maga. Sure. What yeah. does the guy do? Does he do a Krav Maga move? Does he do what does he do? He fucking gets stabbed in the neck. And then the guy pulls the knife out and slashes at the other guys. What are the other two armed with long guns, armed with pistols, armed with am knives and ammo? What do they do? Do they kick him? Do they do, you know, a block? Do they take, do a disarm? They fucking run away. They, they flinch as he's slashing at them. And how does he get stopped? A few soldiers who are 20 or 30 feet away introduce the guy to lead poisoning. Right? They fucking mm. shot him. And I use that not as an example. So, like, like listen, Krav Maga people listening to that will go, oh, Blauer just shit on Krav Maga. First, he's saying CrossFit teaches you how to fight, which we never said. CrossFit doesn't teach you self-defense. I've got an athlete there that's willing to work harder than most other people, and I'm going to show him how to use a knee and an elbow and a palm strike and hijack or, 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 or hack uh, uh, a muscle memory pattern he has that might save him and his family one day. Real simple. Just, again, I, like drives me crazy, like, like a fireman making fun of me trying to put out my house because my technique's incorrect. Mm. Like, dude, I'm just trying to fucking save my house. You know, and so let's go back to Israel. My question to everybody, and, and you can go watch this video. My question to everybody was, why didn't the Israeli soldier use his Krav Maga or his firearm skills? Because he was fucking ambushed, because he was surprised, and his physiological system moved before his cognitive system. Yeah. He didn't even start a flinch. Yeah, he didn't even start a flinch buck. He didn't even do what I said he should do. Why? Because his eyes were tracking the paper. The guy used the guy used his ID as a as a smokescreen to draw the weapon. So even in that situation, theoretically, because he didn't even have a flinch response, would it have mattered? Like if he had if he had trained like Spear system, for example, no, is that no, no, and and I'd have been stabbed in the neck too if I was looking at the mm. paper, right? And that's the whole thing, guys. Fucking everybody relax and listen and study the system when you come from a position of i'm going to look for why this doesn't make sense to me of course you're going to find you can find lots of thorns on the rose bush and you'll never even fucking figure out that there's a beautiful rose with this amazing fucking smell at the end of it because you're looking for the thorns if i was there looking at the paper and somebody fucking punches me or hits me i said this 20 fucking years ago if you've got all the skill in the world but no awareness you're going to get hit Mm. You need to have awareness. And if you've got all the awareness and no skill and the fight's going to happen, you're going to get beaten. There's got to be a balance of skill. You know? But, but what we teach in our, in our, in our one-day courses 
is the equivalent of CPR for basic self-defense. Here's what bad shit looks like and here's what it feels like and you should get the fuck away from there as soon as you can. If you're trapped in a confined space, here are some very important things to say and here are some things you need to think because it's now a choiceless choice. Every rape and murder victim, every violent uh, uh, mugging victim, if they had had a resource to break contact, they'd have tried it. But they were mobilized by fear and they had no solution and so they just they were just victimized. Mm-hmm. Right? There's a ton so, of evidence, brother, out there of, of people who fight back with no training. Yeah. That's yeah. that's this angle. And this that course shouldn't be compared to, you know, I just came back from four courses in Perth, Australia, with military and private security. I'm not I'm not teaching them that the front rack is the same as uh like like these guys have been training for twenty years. You know? Yeah. Like well, I think it's, imp- yeah, it's important to make that distinction in any system that you have like you have the base level, like I'm trying to, you know, this is CPR, and then you've got guys who are deciding they're going to be surgeons at this craft. We're going to train at a different level because they have different right. needs or wants. I have the question about the CPR. I like the CPR analogy, but using the CPR analogy, it, if a person is training in, in such a system, is it something that they can just do in two to four hours, like like once a year, every couple of months, or is it something that they need no, to maintain? Nobody's going to believe this. But we had independent, I'll send you the, the actual research paper if you want. It's like spreadsheets for two years of confrontations in the UK. Hmm. A police department in the UK did a two-year study on, uh, on the spear system because their lead defensive tactics trainer didn't want to bring in something else. He didn't want to bring in a complex motor skill. He would say, hey, look at our CCTV and when we have an altercation, the arm bar isn't working. This movement isn't working. We still practice it. We still teach it. But during us against a certain type of offender, we need something a little bit more robust. And he did a, a two-year study, unbeknownst to me. Um, and they, we, in, in our system, we talk about verbal de-escalation and our hand position. We change it. We've got several nonviolent postures that predispose you to flinch and convert your flinch faster. So if you've got your hands in your pocket, right? So if, if, the, if, the, whole, if the whole spear system is, is about going, hey, man, take it easy, calm down, and then there's that flinch, and then it's nailing the person using your forearm and your palm like a, like a fucking tactical windshield wiper or a tactical cross-check in hockey, right? But that cord extremity explosion to create that space, well, the average cop stands with their hands in this position and might talk like this, and so all these guys are getting, on, on, on the violent encounters where they were getting sucker punched and nailed, um, when they implemented the spear system, they had a, get this, 43% reduction in head trauma over a two-year period. Mm. Do you know how huge that is? Of the, there was thousands of incidents where people resist, where the cop went, sorry, you're under arrest, and the bad guy went, well, you know, bah, you know, fucking hit him. And it's, they had their hands, I imagine boxing with your hands down here. So we, what we did is we changed. We said, you need to have your hands up so you're talking to the person. We have a couple of variations of that so you keep your blood flow going. You keep your fast twitch muscle fibers active, activated. And when they presented me the information, I asked the, uh, the cop who did the research, his name is Danny. I said, Danny, how much, so I'm coming back to your question, how much time do people need to do? I said, how much training was required? He goes, this is fantastic. It's almost a 50% switch. 
in trauma to the head to trauma on the hands and the forearms. And um, he said, eight hours. I said, okay, eight hours, how often? He goes, there was a one, if you know cops, I'm sure your friends are cops, ask yep. them how much training they get. Almost zero, yeah, right? Almost zero. Um, they had one officer survival day a year where part of that training was the nonviolent postures, the basic premise of start a flinch and the conversion, fingers played outside 90 drills. So they had just a day of this training and it, and it changed and it changed uh, impacted ahead statistics, you know? So we've got, we've got some math, but it doesn't matter if you don't want to listen, listen, at the end of the day, uh, you know, this is your startle flinch in terms of practicality and tactically speaking is like an organic airbag. A violent encounter is like a car accident. You and I are out, we're sitting in the car, we're waiting to go to a bar, go see a band, or go to a movie, and all of a sudden somebody who's texting and driving or fucking speeding somewhere goes through a light and hits our car. The, the most, the situationally aware thing to do would have been to get out of the car or move the car. But we don't have time. Things happen so fast. The only verbal shit we got to do is, is oh, fuck, right? And both our hands do this. Listen, forensically, you got you any friends that are EMS or EDP? Yeah. Go mm -hmm. ask them where there's trauma on every person that goes through a car windshield when they weren't wearing their seatbelt. And they will tell you, without fail, there's trauma on the hands and the forearms. Mm -hmm. And that's because you don't go through your car windshield like this. Oh, fuck. You don't go through face, like this, face first, right? Yeah. You go, but you go through like this, and the hands. You don't go face first. You go hands, forearm, head. Mm -hmm. The distinction there is subtle, because if you went through face first, you wouldn't have trauma on the hands and the forearm. At blinding speed, your survival system says protect the head, protect the command center. If you ask your friends in, in law enforcement um, if they'll talk to you and, and share this stuff. Uh, knife attacks, when victims are murdered by knife attacks, where is there always trauma in the hands? Uh, trauma. They'll always say hands, forearm. And then if the person's trying to run away, they'll also talk about trauma on the back, the trap and down the back. Why? Because this happens first, where the first slashes and stabs happen. And then the person, because they have no training, because they don't think to convert the start of flinch, they turn to move away from danger, which is a cellular response to move away from danger. That's what we all do. So they mm. go stab, stab, slash, turn. And so you ask a friend, a cop friend, and go verify this. But this is the type of research we did. We said, like, like this happens all over, regardless of somebody's background, regardless of their gender. Yeah. And, I mean, I guess to be clear, too, you're, it's not like you're telling people not to train on a regular basis. Oh, my God. Yeah. No. And listen, in every one of those one-day courses that, that people who, who've never been to the course are, are judging, come to the course and evaluate it. But evaluate it not from a, you know, roadhouse perspective. Oh, I thought he'd be taller. Evaluate it from, <laughs> evaluate it from, am I actually more knowledgeable about real violence? Am I actually safer? Is my family safer because I'm safer? Do I understand the predator more? Do I understand how I would think or move in an extremely violent situation? That's what the course is about. Um, and so there are numerous <clears throat> people at the end of the course who say, Hey, like my knee sucks, my elbow sucks, and, and I, I feel like now that I've kind of gone through this first like barrier, the first barrier for people is just to show. How many people have you met that you talked to when you were running your school who found out you, you taught self-defense and martial arts, said they were going to come and never showed up? People, yeah. right? 
If we had a buck for every person that said, oh, yeah, I'll be there Saturday seminar and then no showed, we'd have a lot more money in the bank. People don't take it's 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 like it's it's like people doing their last will and testament and getting life insurance. Most people put that off because they don't want to fucking deal with it. So so the anomalies and the outliers are all the people who actually fucking trains five, six days a week. That's not what this course is for, although it will make you safer if your mind is open enough to come in and do it. But what we tell people to, to, to your question is we always say, hey, listen, if you want to develop better aggression, better timing, better accuracy, then you should train. Listen, Kieran Fitzgibbons of CSA, that's like one of the most badass fight gyms in the world. They teach the spear system there. They teach PDR and they've hosted the CrossFit course multiple times. And the BYU, like, call up Kirian and ask him, like, why, why would you bring in that fake shit here? Because that's not what the course is about, you know? And in, when we've had there, we've had their, like, their grappling instructors come to the course, their, their you know, fight uh, trainers come to the course. And everyone picks up a little bit of stuff that the goal is when we, when we set our objective in the beginning is this is about making you safer. If this yeah. is a track and field course and you're already like an Olympic level runner, why are you coming to listen to this? Because you're looking for 1% more, right? For, yeah. a lot of these, for a lot of these people who have no background, like honestly, man, hey, I got no background, I'm not interested, I just want to learn to detect, defuse, defend, some basic self-defense. Like they should not be like just showing up and like starting a martial art course if that's what they want. You can't teach martial arts in a day. And we say that. This has nothing to do with love and passion for martial arts. But Google that that Tim Larkin thing and watch that video. Google, Google um, yeah, Alex, uh, is it Alex Kong? Alex Kong. Alex Kong. He was the one that died in the. He was the one that died in yeah, Fair he was Tech shot through a car through a car door. Listen, <laughs> I I talk about this as do I always say politely, respectfully. Don't confuse the categories. An asocial motherfucker who's willing to kill you to facilitate his escape is not going to fight the same as your buddy. You're not going to tap gloves and fucking and fucking start pummeling. You know, you're not going to yeah. it's it's a completely different mindset. And and Alex ran after this guy in fucking tie shorts with 2% body fat and maybe he had his gloves on. But yeah. the guy was scared shitless running from the police with a gun. Yeah. Right? That Shot him through the place, window. That, that wasn't the place for tie boxing. Yeah. Right? And yeah. now people go, that "Oh, fuck, Tony put down tie boxing." No. It's, I, so listen, I said this early and I never gave our definition. It took us a while to do this, but we, we, we created an alternative definition for self-defense. And if you just listen to it, it might make somebody listening to this safer without even training with us. The conventional definition for self-defense is the physical act of protecting yourself or your body. That's paraphrasing. What that means is by definition, the event has already happened. So it doesn't take into account getting to the left of the ambush the situational awareness, the pre-contact use. It doesn't take into account the internal, you know, discussion you have. Oh, my God, should I, should I run now? Should I call the police? Should I play dead? Should I move towards the threat? What should I do? It doesn't take into account the psychodynamics and the neural circuitry of fear and how should I think when I'm scared. And then what is the best thing to do? If I've got two guys and they're trying to roll me for my money, should I double leg? i got two guys or should I try to get the fuck out of there? You know, I had a student of mine, really good kicks back in the day. This is back in the 80s. Got mugged by two guys. His first kick was a round kick <clears> to the head. 
This first kick was a round kick to the head. Hit the first guy in the head. The second guy fucking hit him with a body shot, dropped him. They kicked the shit out of him. So bad he slept for 24 hours, was pissing blood for a few days. Mm. His first kick landed, though. Mm. Yeah, I'm making fun of him, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Listen, his name was Gary, and I would always teach... Um, I would always teach in my classes... We had a kickboxing class, we had a grappling class, we had a stick fighting class, we did all sorts of stuff. But there was always a mandatory self-defense class. And when we would do that, because I would tell people, look, your safety is more important than, than the sport aspect of what we're doing. That's what I got into self-defense for, or martial arts for, and, and, and that's what I, what I push, right? So I go, yeah, we can have dessert tonight. That's our cheat meal, but let's make sure that our nutrition, like people confuse, uh, uh, you know, 500 calories of broccoli with 500 calories of chocolate. And they go, it's just fucking calories. It's just 500. It's the same. And it's not. So we, well, I'm looking at, at self-defense metaphorically like nutrition. What are our proteins, fats, and carbs? Detect, diffuse, defend. Physics, physiology, psychology. Do we have enough of that blend so that we can make intelligent choices? So here's our definition for self-defense. The decision to choose safety when danger is imminent. The decision to choose safety when danger is imminent. That gives us permission to fucking run and hide, right? Now, there's a lot of people who are type A macho who will never run and hide. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that would be like, you know, um, if I said to Alex, Alex, don't chase that guy. He's potentially a fucking criminal. And, and it's a hit and run. Just get the license plate. Let the police do their job. If he knew what the outcome of that fight was going to be, would he have chosen safety? Right? You see what I'm saying? It's a hypothetical. Yeah. Those, those two guys in Brazil that went outside and they went, hey, we're fucking MMA fighters. We can beat up these four guys. Well, when the four guys realized that they were going to get beaten up, they introduced a two-by-four. Right? And that changed everything. Um, and you got to watch that. If you've never seen that man, go watch that. It is, it is brutal. Yeah, it's, to see this guy from behind get knocked up. And what am I saying? Am I putting down MMA? No, I'm saying stay the fuck away from really dangerous people. And only fight, and I don't like to use the word fight, I substituted in my nomenclature as fight is always violent encounter. Right? There's a fight Saturday night in the UFC. There was a fight last week, boxing. I use fight as the combat sport vernacular. Right? And I differentiate going, this is a violent encounter, and you need to be very careful. Because unless you're one of those fuckers who have nothing to lose, right? If you're a regular person, a good Samaritan, you got a lot to lose. Avoid violence at all costs. So we change that definition. Danger is imminent. You choose safety. What is the safest thing you can do here? The safest thing may be to fight to the death. The safest thing may be to hide. The safest thing may be to run. I like that that uh, definition. That is a good stopping point because um, we I think we've gone like an hour and a half at this at this point. Tony, where is it? Keep going. Let's keep going all night. <laughs> <laughs> Got to make it digestible for our our, our, right. our market. Bob would love to have you on again. This was really um, interesting. Where can people get more information about you and what you do? Uh, just look at any of the CrossFit videos we've done. Just watch those two minute clips. That's pretty much says everything. Yes. Come yes, on, okay. guys. I hope you're fucking laughing at that. Listen. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, listen, uh, that's I, I want to thank. I, even though I didn't like Paula's question earlier, uh, he he loves to needle me like that but i love that's what paulo does though he loves it he yeah. does it to me he does it to me but, like but I, paulo I, but paulo hold on i just want to thank you for reaching out and giving me the opportunity to explain a little bit 
um, and and that shows that you are uh, uh, a true professional. And, and Buck, thank you. And listen, I'm not going to read the comments because I'll probably fucking hang myself. Um, but <laughs> but if if there are some galvanizing comments in there and you want to highlight them, I would love to jump on like a call that has less philosophy and and less rambling on my part and go. Hey, so and so says this. How do you answer this, or how do you do that, right? And and try to almost do like like read mean tweets. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. So and says, says you're a fucking dickhead. Like, what do you say to that? I go, well, I'm actually, you know, I, I was going to make a joke there, but forget. <laughs> it. But uh, the um, uh, listen, not li- listen. You don't kill the messenger. You may don't. You may not like me because of whatever reason most of the people who don't like what we do have never even experienced it and trained with us um and and uh um we're only really trying to make people safer and we live in a like i said in the beginning of the show a clickbait world where you see a headline somebody jumps on there uh and see something and it's and it's out of context um you know let's end with this theoretical thing if if i showed you a laboratory like one of those uh human weapon shows where they're showing like connor mcgregor punching something and showing the impact just so you know remember before when i asked you if i'm a shotokan specialist or q cushion kai specialist and i do a reverse punch and i go masoyama killed a bull with this punch it's stronger than your um uh your overhand right and then a boxer throws a punch and the boxer says, I think my overhand's right. Who's fucking right? Or are they both right? And then what's the scenario? Yeah. Right? And, and so what a lot of people don't know is when Masayama killed the bull, it was uh, uh, slated for slaughter, so he didn't just randomly murder a bull. It was sedated and being held by two guys. Right? Mm. So I don't know if that's true or fake news, and I'm not going to look at Snopes. <laughs> but here's the point is like, I know that Masayama didn't knock out and kill a bull that was chasing him in fucking Spain. Do you understand the metaphor there? Yes. Yeah. But here's the thing, is I say that and people go, oh my God. I go, but listen, I would never want to fight somebody that has the power who can kill a fucking bull, whether it's sedated or not. That's a fucking strong punch. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, exactly. wham, right, right. And so, but here's, just so you know, Years ago, in the kickboxing era, they did uh, um, impact studies, and boxers' overhands actually generated more impact because of their speed than the uh, martial arts reverse punch. So mm. if we go back to my CrossFit video, which, again, I've apologized for 12 times, if I had, done a, if I had shown that the double palm strike actually generates more newtons, I'm making up fucking words, more blah, 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 newtons yeah. and overhand right, where, what's the argument? Like, like they would still be correct if I said, look, you know, in this last fight, these two pro fighters uh, threw a total of 40 punches. You did 150 in Karen, and the cord extremity generation is more powerful than an overhand right. What we're saying isn't wrong, and we're not lying. What I'm saying to somebody who's a scared mom or dad going, you have a choiceless choice right now, and that's to nail this motherfucker in the face with the one move that you've got some muscle memory for fucking smash him and run yeah i'm not going to teach them how to box in that day and boxing fists are the most sprained and broken i've broken my hand three times my knuckles sprained wrists every cop i know has busted a hand who's been in fights every mma fighter that i've worked with it's 
That's not the thing. It's open hand, right? And so I'm not trying to sell Adrian's expression or reframe it because it went out and it went out out of context with some some language that I wish didn't appear. But what I'm trying to explain to people is like we're fixating on the wrong shit. What mm. we should be fixating it on is um, are we clearing up the message? Are we making people safer? Are we the bad guy? Isn't Eli Knight or Aaron Gennetti or Buck or Paulo? The bad guy is a sociopath out the fuck there. The bad guy isn't the guy, you know, uh, uh, trying to enhance the safety of somebody else or get somebody in better shape or whatever, right? And so I always tell people, don't hate me, hate the bad guy. Focus on the bad guy, you know? Perfect. Love it, brother. Thank you for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Love to have you on again. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for tuning in live. And this podcast will go uh, out on the podcast page next week. I'll put all the uh, um, connection points on how they can reach you. And um, thank you once again. I want to remind everybody, you are a fighter the day you decide to become one. And today might be that day. Stay focused, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Be safe, everybody. Can we record too? Or you got it? I got it, but I can send it. I can send you the file. Okay. Cool. So we got off the the, the the podcast live, and we started talking at a little caveat that I think was be really really important for people to hear because if something really really resonated with me, a story that Tony was telling me. So man, if you don't mind sharing that with us, I appreciate. Yeah. It. Was that the one with my kid? Yeah, your kid. Yeah. That put things so in perspective. I think, I think what we were doing was. Um, uh, yeah. So let me shut all my. Ping, ping, ping. Um, the uh, first of all, hi everybody again. Thanks, Buck, again. You know, we got off, and some of our best stuff happened as soon as we got it off. Always happens. Well, um, we usually keep the. You know, we went we went back and forth, and I preambled into this. You know, there's just this this. Is there any relevance to the statement that Coach Adrian made? And I just want to kind of like summarize that. Like, we're gonna have a big team talk this week. Um, th- that example will be dice- dissected. And even though, you know, we could, you know, fixate on Newtons and pressure and talk about numerically number of reps and all of that, it's a, it's a, it's a weak metaphor out of context. And the context that I was talking about, which led me to remember the story with my son was, um, you know, because you asked her a really assertive question, Buck, you said, well, wait a minute, you know, like if I'm a boxer listening to that, I'm going to find that offensive and or laughable. And like, so what context would that, and I said, well, it's out of context. And you asserted, well, what context would that be a good statement? And the context, unfortunately, would never be a short video online. It would only be a live uh, venue where we had seven, eight hours acting as the coaches to these scared um, athletes, scared meaning I'm fucking taking my first step towards learning a little bit about self-defense. And and so out of context, in context was, you know, the scared woman who's going to come up and do a scenario with a guy in a high gear suit or, you know, hit some targets and she's afraid about her energy and how she's going to do performance anxiety and, and aggression. And we're saying, listen, you have done all these reps where you've got the stamina, endurance, and kinesthetic perception to fire this this movement that has the exact same 
you know, kinetic chain as a palm strike, and it generates as much force as a pro boxer, just fucking go for it, right? Now, someone can stop the, the film there and go, bullshit, but we'd have to go to a laboratory, and, you know, you'd stand there and go, whack, and do that, and someone else, and you stand there and go, wham, and step in like that, and I know for a fact, because I've not measured it, but I've measured it visually, that that generates more force, but it's not the point. It's not the point is, can the boxer beat up a soccer mom who did a one-day course with us, <laughs> right? That's a stupid visual. The, the point for everyone to, to wrap their head around is in the context of, an, of a full-day training, it's a coaching thing that we say to people to get them to believe in their next move, in their next effort. And it's not meant to be nitpicked or put under magnifying glass and go, you used a fucking colon and it should have been a semicolon. You don't know shit about English, right? I mean, uh, and, and, and so we could look at Catcher the Rye, a classic book, and a lot of writers think it's horrible because there's no punctuation, right? So it's, it's how you look at it and what you want to nitpick. So my son's story, I just want to preamble that and preface that. While I was explaining this to Buck, I remember this story where my son, he was seven or eight years old, we were on a daddy-son trip, and uh, you see my table here? I got a, a glass table with, with, a, with a ledge here, people can see the ledge here. So it was this glass counter, and the edge protruded here, but it was all glass, and it was kind of this optical illusion, you couldn't see it, and what he did is he saw a shiny object here, and he went, Whack, and he stepped into it and smashed his head. He's seven or eight. I was in like, it was like this pawn shop type setting. And he screams, ah! And I fucking, immediately I grab him. And these three women look around and probably look like I was beating my kid because <laughs> they saw my hands go at his head and he's wailing and he's got his hands up over his head, flinching, right? Covering his head. And um, I grab him and rubbing his head because I knew what happened. Trying to see if there was a cut. And he's wailing, and I'm kind of embarrassed when people are looking at me. I spot the bathroom. I take him into the bathroom, and uh, I look at him. I go, you're not cut. You're okay. And he's like, ah, like that hyperventilating eight-year-old, right? Ah, ah. And I said, Nick, Nick, look at me. Look at me. And he's like, down here. Ah. And I put my hand up like I was holding a focus pad, guys. And I said, punch me in the hand. And he goes, and I've been training him since he's like one and a half. And he goes, Dad, I don't want a lesson now. I don't want a lesson now. He said, punch me in the fucking hand right now. Hit me. And he goes, Dad, stop. I said, Nick, I want you to fucking punch me right now. That is like the hardest punch you will ever get hit in the fucking head. Some bully in school just fucking hit you in the head. You need to use this fucking anger and your fear right now. Punch me in the hand. And he looks up and he goes, wham, and he fucking hits it. I go, again, wham, and he hits it. And he's like, <sighs> he's breathing through his nose. And I look at him like a dad and I go, how's your head? And he goes, and he starts wailing again, right? Something like that. Um, in the moment, what I did now, I just lied to him. Right? I, I don't know if he's ever going to get punched harder. I didn't know if he's going to, like, is that the hardest punch you ever? But in the context, in the moment, I said, that is the punch of a bully, and you need to get back in the fight. And so, uh, um, you know, but if we're nitpicking, I fucking lied to him. I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know who he's going to fight. Yeah. I don't know. But what it was was to help a scared kid take the next move. Yeah. And I... I equated that to just being like a ring coach, like being, you know, coaching 
cage fighters and ring fighters where I've had people get their asses handed to them in round one and they come back and they sit down and I'll say something like, you know, that's the best they've got. They've got nothing left. If they can't do anything else to you, then you can win this fight. And the reality is I have no freaking idea what, what's in that guy's gas tank. For all I know, he can fight that hard and do the exact same thing to you next round and round after that. But I got to right. say something to get you off that stool to go out there and, and fight your ass off. You have to you have to believe that you can win this fight. Otherwise, the fight is over right now right 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 you don't want to look at the fighter and go hey listen we've been paid you know <laughs> everything's in the bank so like next time it hits you just fall down, just fall down. What, coach? you know yeah. um yeah you got you got and that's and that's what i said in our facebook live thing is like you know in, in on the day of the fight all the training's done movement is mental at that point and everything is about managing fear you know it's not about like you know did you corkscrew punch did you vertical punch and, and this is the thing i just like like you know I'm, I'm trying not to read any comments but i you know you know i i, I saw one because i get tagged in something i do a scan because it might be like a legit thing that somebody and i'm you know somebody going you know you know, is Blauer going to explain, uh, uh, you know, that doing a wall ball isn't the same as a proper palm strike. And, you know, again, people confuse technical with tactical all the time. In self-defense, nobody's technical. Everybody's tactical. You just got to start fucking moving and get the job done. And so, you know, to 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 wrap this up, if, if this gets a little traction, is... Um, when I saw the CrossFit video, I went, oh, shit, right? I knew, you know, and, and I'm going to have an internal talk with my team and talk to them about we've got to be careful. We live in a day and age where, you know, you can slap some chick in the ass 12 years ago, you know, and and, and that will ruin your career 12 years later, you know, no matter you know what? Uh, uh, and so there's certain language that our team needs to be careful of. Um, and like I said in the Facebook thing, I apologize for the confusion as as the owner of the company. But I don't know, you know, in I, I know Adrian is one of my best coaches. He's a, again, he's a Golden Glove boxer and he's one of the best. You know, he works with animals, he works with kids, he was like he's like a really great guy. The spirit of what he was doing was on the other side of the, the camera that you couldn't see were a bunch of scared women and men uh, thinking they gotta do scenarios with people in high gear and we're trying to show them like like you know, you just gotta go for it. You've got this shit in you. And like me telling my son, Hey man, like that like you just got hit in the head. That's the hardest you're ever gonna be hit. Can you now fucking suck it up and fucking fire back you know and uh it was just trying to motivate them but uh you know their their to answer your question which i really loved was like hey you know in what context would it be okay to say that um no online context (laughs) you know you know no online context so sure sure i mean if i were to tell people like it's okay for me to tell a white lie to um my fighter i was like well you know technically i should say no but i know that it's it, it has won fights for guys. Right. It's right. Fight. It is literally won fights for them to say, like, that's all they got. You got you, you've got this without even really knowing if that's really true or not. Or even sometimes thinking, like, I might be lying out my ass. I think that guy's got way more in the tank. But what am I going to say? I need to get this guy right. on the stool. I need to get him fighting. And it's way more, even more important when we're talking about people. We, we, all, we all do that. And we need to, again, like, like uh, 
you know, I, I, I don't know, part, part of this generation and it's all contagious, man. It's all the politics of the last nine years, all the crazy, you know, you know, left versus right, all the shit online, all the, it's all contagious and it bleeds into whether you think you think it does or doesn't. It's like, you know, everyone is like part of a gang. And let's attack this as opposed to, hey, man, that was an innocent mistake. If you know Adrian and if you know me and a lot of people don't, you know that that like this is a sincere, gen- genuine effort. We're just trying to make people safer. And and that was a, uh, you know, that was a, a clip that was, you know, in, in, in a live seminar, you, you say things, you know. Um, that wouldn't be in the movie if you were going to do a scripted movie of it. Sure. We, we wouldn't say that, you know? Um, and so it is what it is. Yeah, man. I think overall, if we can kind of, I think with any conversation, if we walk into it with seeking to understand, like right. maybe, I, I, I mean, I saw the video and I had to watch it twice and I was just like, oh, fuck. But I, I wanted to have a talk with the idea that I want to seek to understand something I might be missing. That's that's my intention walking into the conversation rather than I've got all this shit on you and I'm going to like put you on the, right. the stand for the and, and and that happens unconsciously with a lot of people. Yeah. You know, I had like fucking challenges and threats and you know, I read delete. Okay. Yeah, how about you and I and then I'd like to see one of your students. I have to like delete, 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 block, you know. I got a lot of blocking done. Yeah, um, <laughs> a lot of karate man with your social media. It's uh, yeah, it's um, it you know, and I, and I appreciate your maturity and your professionalism at that. You know, if if it's almost like when I say, "Hey, I'm sorry," and people go, "Yeah, but," and I go, "Look, I said I'm sorry." The the reality is, like, you still want to fight. You still want to go. I go like that. You know, is easily misunderstood, and I wouldn't have put it out for three minute consumption. Um, you know, and my team may say, "Hey," but in a live seminar that we're not recording, you know, and we got somebody hitting a wall ball like this, going, eh, eh, and and you know, what am I going to say in their head? Just like you in the corner, like you know, this guy's like, and you go, "Man, everyone's got a puncher's chance, but he's not going to get up the fucking, he's not going to get off the chair if I go." Fuck, this guy's gonna kill you. Do you have your life insurance? Dude, dude, this is your last fight. You got two more rounds. You know, I'm gonna go get a beer. You finish it out, mate. You suck. Yeah. Right? You don't hit hard enough. Like, right? It's way harder than you do. You're not, you don't have a choice. Yeah. Yeah. So, and and you'll say things to, and, and, and who knows what some of the questions were. I wasn't there. You know what some of the questions were like five minutes before. Uh, um, You know, I mean, that would change everything. If, if, and this is silly and I shouldn't even open this Pandora's box, but the, the, the reality is this motion and this motion generates different amounts of force, right? And if I took a pro boxer and I had him hit an impact, you know, pressure pad and it registered X, this would register more. It's just, you know, it's the split jerk of self-defense. It's a complete quarter. It's a, you know, and so if I had that video when I go look these double palms actually generate in this pro boxer it generates more more force so that's why we suggest you use it in the street like if that's the story that's being explained there you know at no moment if anyone ever asked me you know like if anyone who did our one day course 
said, you know, I feel fucking great. I'm going to enter a jiu-jitsu tournament tomorrow. I go, are you fucking crazy? <laughs> You're going to get like your arm broken, your ankle broken or choked out. You get, you know nothing about that chess match. Yeah. And if somebody did our one-day course and said, I fucking feel really good with this, you know, I'm going to enter this boxing match tomorrow. But no, you're going to get your face lit up. Yeah. Are you kidding? This is not boxing, yeah. right? So that's that's the message, and, you know, I'm glad we got to talk about it. That's perfect, brother. Thank you for adding that in. Appreciate it. Everybody, be safe, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.